So we're working, uh, by the way, thank you for your patience last week. For those who, uh, probably heard, I, I didn't, I lost, I couldn't find my uh, flash drive in California. So I was totally noteless. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, and once I'd signed off from the class, I found the flash drive. So. Sometimes I wonder why the Lord does things the way he does. Maybe he wanted some of you guys to talk more than you normally do, which was great. I loved it. Today we are in Lesson uh, 40. And uh, one of the things that we'd gotten talked about a little bit last week, but uh, had to do with the question two. And the question is, how does the author define the contemporary use of prophecy. Don't we always think, when you hear the word prophecy, don't you always think about the predictive nature of it? That a prophet is someone who who says, well, here's something new, either from the Lord or I'm prophesying that an event's going to happen, and it does happen. And if you, like in Old Testament times, if you were a Jew and you were claimed to be a prophet and you prophesied and it didn't happen, the next, your next stop was the, was the rock pile, you know, where, uh, so well, you had to be pretty accurate if you were an Old Testament prophet. A New Testament prophet, if we have the complete word of God, which we do, what does a new, how would you define what a New Testament prophet would do? Uh, it's not new revelation. What's that? No. No, it doesn't. It's not new revelation. It's edifying and exhorting. Uh, right out, a couple of statements from right out. He said, this special application by the Spirit of God of truth suited to the special need of the saints. So let's, we'll tag off of that. The principle is evident. And we can apply it to the entire body of Scripture. We have a perfect word, and we've been enlightened to understand it, but we still need to have it applied to mind and heart and life. The word of season, the word in season is the word of prophecy. So um, I think this is one of those uh, spiritual uh, gifts that I, I think people may have it and not realize they have it, that they're able to say things uh, in just the right moment to, to us, uh, a person that applies the word. Uh, and that you find, I think, I find anyway, in, in a lot of the questions I get is our application questions. How do I apply... How do I apply Romans 6? How do I apply Galatians 2.20? How do I uh, apply uh, positional truth into my condition? Okay? And I, I, I really think there are two factors there. One is, if I really... I don't, the first factor is, is that the Spirit of God will make us want to apply it because otherwise we don't we don't we just pass it on as another doctrine 
And two is, uh, once I want it, then I enter into that Roman 7 struggle where I'm trying to do it myself, and I can't get it done because the flesh can't pull it off, the Roman 7, down to the point where, like Paul says in 7.23, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Well, the point is, is that he already has been delivered, and he knows it, but from a practical standpoint, he doesn't, uh, he hasn't figured out yet how to apply it. I might know in my mind that I'm free from sin, yet be totally frustrated because I'm sinning all the time. Uh, I'll, I'll give you uh, an example of a guy that I talk to a lot, who his big issue is that he cusses. And he, he is a guy who is in charge of people, and he's so intense about what he's doing that he can't keep his language, you know. And he knows it's a bad witness, and he's trying as hard as he can, but he he loses it, you know. And what I observed with, with him is that he's right in the middle of Romans 7, trying as hard as he can out of the flesh to make his flesh not do that. And the harder he tries, the worse it gets. Somebody will come to him at some point who has the gift of prophecy and just take the word of God and apply it to him and he'll see it and rest in the truth. And he'll trust, he will trust uh, the spirit of God to, to manifest the life, the new life that he has in Christ. And that new life doesn't have a problem with cussing. You see that? So you, I think uh, if you look around with people that you know, you run into that a lot where people say, well, yeah, I've taught, I've, you've taught me this truth or I've studied this truth, but, well, I'm really frustrated because I can't apply it, you know. There are others that will give you chapter and verse about growth truths, and they don't care about applying it. All they care about is the fact that they got the knowledge and they can sound like they're really highly spiritual when in fact they're not because you can see it hasn't been applied in how they live and function. So, uh, Rideout points out a couple of verses, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9, for this, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit, and to another faith by the same spirit, another the gifts of healing, etc. In Isaiah 11.2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I like that Isaiah verse because the words that he uses, the wisdom and understanding, and the spirit of counsel, counsel and strength. You know, um, we've all known certain people in our life, like Miles Stanford was one of these guys. I think Hal Malloy was one of these guys. Or you could go to them and, and just say, well, you know, here's my situation. And I'm really serious about entering into this part of 
my spiritual growth or I'm, I, I'm really trying to stop doing this. And they will talk to, in just a few minutes. It gets really clear, you know, and it's gracious. And so those people are around, but there aren't very many of them. And the other, the other interesting thing is that they don't have a very large audience because people won't listen to them because it either sounds too, too, uh, easy or they really don't want to enter into that. I don't want to give up cussing if I were able to say the, tell the truth, you know, I don't want to give up getting really angry if that is the issue. I don't want to give up lusting. I don't really, really want to do that. And so the Spirit of God gets us, I think, in a position where both to will and to do, we want to do it. And then when that willing comes along, then we find out out of our own strength, no matter how much we will, it doesn't get done. So... uh, So let me ask you, how does it get done? What happens to a believer who wants to be free from a specific issue that they know that's of the flesh and they uh, they can almost point to you in chapter 7 of Romans where they are spiritually? I'm right here. The more I try, the worse it gets. You know? Uh I, how do you get over that hurdle? Yeah. You know, Mike, something we've been uh, talking about here uh, recently is the issue of, of forgiveness. It's not um, one that I've you know often seen as a, as a, like a, a something to put on the the sin you know the sin list, and yet it is you know um, inability to forgive. But it, something I recognize is an incredibly hard hard thing to do if you've been wronged. Um, you know, everything in us, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't want to forgive. Um, and so that, that particular issue for me really resonates on this topic. Like if we're going to ask this question, how is it to, um, how is this going to happen? You know, how am I, how how am I going to forgive? Because I, I absolutely recognize that there's no, there isn't even a desire in me in a sense to, to do that. Uh, Except that I know that God, that's, that's God's character. That's his right. part. You yeah. know, so I know what's right, but the, you know, and in a sense, the desire in me to have that is there, but in a sense, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, it's just absolutely not in me, you know, um, yeah. but I, I, you mentioned the words both to, to will and to do. And I, as I'd written down that verse this morning from Philippians 2, 12 and yeah. 13. Yeah. And of course we get to that in these last questions in this lesson about obedience. That's why I'd written it down. Right. But right. you know, we see there in verse thirteen that it's God who is at work, um, both to will and to do. It has to be him at work. And I think that's been um one of the things I've been learning and just kind of recently been learning, partly through um Andrew Murray's waiting on God. Ah. And recognizing that why why would it take me so long to learn to forgive somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, because it has to be this process 
wherein I recognize that it's absolutely not in my own strength. It's absolutely not in my mm-hmm. ability, mm-hmm. but it is in, it is in his. And, and, and I kind of rec- I kind of at this point now where I realize, okay, I'm, I'm getting close to understanding it, but it's not like I can, you know, pick up the ball and run the last 10 yards with it and make the touchdown. <laughs> no, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be him all the way through to the end. It yeah. has to be him who does this work. So, um, even though I'm beginning to recognize that, you know, uh, what it is, it's, uh, it's an incredibly long, <laughs> at least in, in this, in this instance, and I think it often is. It often is a long-term process where he's teaching yeah. to depend. That's, that's what Murray, you know, talks about depending. Uh, yeah. Utter dependence. You know, I, that brings up an, an, another point. I was, uh, oh, a couple of years ago, I think. I don't know why this incident, but there was a woman who's a friend of my daughter's was over at our house and we got, we got to talking about, uh, she's involved in, uh, an alcoholic family. And, uh, she made the comments, you know, she said, I think I would be really better if I could just forgive myself. And I thought about that for a minute. And I said to her, I said, well, why do you worry about forgiving yourself? The Lord Jesus paid for your sins. They're done. They're gone. And if he forgave you, why do you have a problem forgiving yourself? You know, because we have to answer to him. We don't have to answer to ourselves. You know, and, she, and I, I'm not sure she understood what I said. But I think a lot of times in Christianity with, with Christians that you find out that the real issue is that the, in their own mind, they think they're a rat and they can't. They think, well, I've, I've got to forgive myself if I'm going to move on. No, you don't. If Christ forgave you and God forgave you and not only forgave you, but just wiped out the sin, why are you dancing with it? And it's a, it's a tool, I think, that, uh, that uh, Satan uses to keep you out of walking in the spirit. Cause as long as he can keep you self-focused, you, you're not moving on. And I don't care what it is. It's self, Forgiveness, it's, 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 uh, oh, I gotta stop cussing, or I gotta stop, it's, what are you doing? You're spending all your time thinking about yourself, not the Lord Jesus, and not what he did. You know, every time you take the Lord's table, the big thing about the Lord's table is remember me. Don't remember you, remember me. Your sins are gone because of what I did. Okay. And so, uh, I, I find that it with, especially in this age of psychobabble that we live in, you know, the psychology, every time you see uh, a tragedy, we've got to get the counselors in there. You know what, you know what psychological counselors are? They study the sin nature. And, and what, if we know anything, we know the sin nature isn't fi- fixable. You cannot fix it. You know, you can drug it down, you can do all kinds of stuff, but you can't fix it. And so counseling is one of the, somebody says to me, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to mail in, major in psychiatry. Well, that's a waste of time. Isn't there, or I guess what's running through my mind is that, um, you know, when you're talking about this prophecy, you have to have that's probably not the right even way to say that, but uh, an understanding of 
the way of scripture so that you're rightly dividing the word of truth so that there's an understand you know if you understand what happened to you at the cross mm-hmm. you know that without that knowledge how do you ever get away from guilt or self-recrimination you don't because you, you yeah, don't because you can't you can't you don't have the equipment you don't have the knowledge mm-hmm. for the spirit to work i agree that freedom into you you know and and if if you are a believer and you know your sins are forgiven but you're in a reformed environment in terms of doctrine yeah. it's designed to keep you self-centered thinking about your sins and the obedience of rules which the only thing that the law does is focus you on you. That's all it does. Which makes me think in this in this day that we live in, there are not very many prophets or people that prophesy. I agree. There aren't very many. There aren't very many who have uh, have been down the road. You know, I I, I I I quote Miles Stanford all the time because he he was such a sage about certain things. He said to me once, and I'm, you know, one, every once in a while he'd say things that I never forgot from that day. He t- I called him up and I, I was frustrated because I wasn't moving along fast enough spiritually in my own mind. You know, I think we all think that. So his answer to me was, he said, he said, it takes a long time for God to teach you the truth. No problem. And then it takes him twice as long to teach you how and when to give it to somebody else. But then he said, but when you're ready, the woods will be full of them. So what God does is he trains a prophet. He teaches them the truth. And then he teaches them how and when to give it to somebody else. And then he's ready to be a prophet. You don't wake up one morning being a prophet. You have to be, you have to have time with the Lord to be able to even say helpful things to other people. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't people that have spiritual gift of, of uh, exhortation and that kind of thing, because definitely those, but prophecy is a whole different thing, you know. I think a pastor should be at least to some extent a prophet. He ought to be able to say to people that come to him for guidance, show them the way, and be patient with them. You know? Okay. Hey, Mike, I, I just kind of like my mind uh, on the First Corinthians 14, where it says, you may all prophesy one by one. Do you right. think that Paul had uh, kind of a prayer, a desire for um, that all believers would be able to uh, to to minister in that way to one another because they would all be equipped. It, you know, in, in time, it's a like we're talking about here. It's a um, it takes growth and and development, but that because um, I, I agree with you, there are few there are few who uh, who prophesy in the sense that we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but should it be that that more and more are uh, are able to minister in that way as they're uh, as they grow in grace and knowledge? Does, I, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I I I'm, uh, you quoted from where First Corinthians. 
Yeah, it's the uh, it's the quote. Uh, it's on two twenty four, First uh, Corinthians fourteen. You may all prophesy one by one. Okay, that so all may learn I, and be comforted. Yeah, I would have a I would I would have a sense there that 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 maybe that is prophecy of information, uh, new information, because the whole word hadn't been written put together then. You understand what I'm saying? And I would think that some may uh, have information that others didn't have because it took until 90 some something AD before the Bible was really put together. Now, Paul was, you know, said that if anybody teach any other doctrine than what I'm teach, let him be accursed. Well, I can envision the Corinthian church. They don't have a, a, a new Schofield reference Bible, and they probably have not had the uh, privilege of reading the letter to the Romans or Ephesians, you know, at that point. So there's pro- probably in the prophecy there, there is new information. But it's interesting how Paul makes it orderly and says one at a time, one at a time. So I'm not, I'm not sure I can answer that, Miles. I do think that, uh, um, you know, there, there's discussion. Paul talks about it and, uh, about people who are prophets in, at, at, in the early church. Um, and Paul was a prophet, obviously. I was, well, I was just thinking about, um, Luke 2432 on the road, I think I was on the road to Emmaus and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us, uh, while he talked to us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture? The, what scriptures was he opening up? Old Testament. Old Testament. Talking about the, the Messiah. But, but here again, the, that's ah. prophesying, right? Because there yeah. is Oh, that's really good, Donna. Yeah. What do you think about that, Miles? Yeah, I, I, I think I heard most of that. And, um, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I've been thinking about the way even, even in the Old Testament, the, the idea of prophet is communicated. And, and I know in, in the discussion last week, and I, I, um, we tend to think of the prophet only as, the one who brings new new information, and yet they had schools of prophets in you know yeah. in the Old Testament times, and 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 that kind of clashes with their idea that a prophet simply receives new information from God and, and is the mouthpiece of that information because they were teaching men to yeah. be prophets, and so it implies that there's something of knowing the Scripture and being skilled in applying it and 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 that's not a cold the intellectual thing as we as we right here but it's a um <clears throat> it's something it's a ministry of the holy spirit through someone but uh, yeah that that's i don't know if that connects quite but i i guess that's kind of where i'm i'm beginning to to learn that uh there's there's a, a use of that how about, how about this idea? I, I read a, a brief history of uh, John Darby. And John Darby, uh, you know, was, was early on as he was learning these things, he was searching for other people 
who under who had somewhat of an understanding and he found a group in a city in I think Ireland or England and he would travel every Saturday to meet with this group of people every Sunday and that was actually the seedbed of starting the Brethren Church and what they would sit around all day with their Bibles and they would go through things and just talk well what are they doing I think what they're doing is they're prophesying. You know, J- John Darby would say, well, here's what the Lord showed me this week. And another guy would say, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And and they would add whatever. And then somebody over here would say, well, how about this issue? And and it would go around like that, you know. I, I, I We find ourselves today in discussions like that with people that, uh, you know, uh, like one of those hungry hearts says it says that well when you get together with Christians you have a tendency to talk about the trials of the way and the writer of that it might have been Stoney said how often do you just sit with another believer and talk about the wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ that's prophecy the wonders of the Lord what did the Christ show you what did the Spirit show you this week about the wonders of the Lord Jesus. And it's so cool when you can be in an environment like that. It doesn't happen very often. But it edifies everybody who's in that conversation. And I'm always hoping that the Bible studies that I'm involved in, they end up doing that. But rarely do they. You know, where someone will say, well, hey, oh, yeah, you know. And it gets into, rather than, academic or or you know whatever that it it starts out to be something that and ends up being something where we are talking about oh the lord showed me something this week that here's what he showed me and this person over here goes oh that's cool that oh that is really neat it applies to them that that's how i think how contemporary prophecy works so we got time to do uh, maybe question three and four. Question three is, with this definition, do we need prophets today? Answer, definitely yes. Absolutely we do, and we don't recognize them as we should, I think. Okay. So now, um, Miles brought this up, uh, question for how do we become obedient to the word? And as soon as I saw, you know, I, I wrote that question probably a month and a half ago. How do we become obedient to the world? Uh, right out's answer is this is affected by allowing the spirit to apply it. But what I, what I wanted to, you know, the thing I sent out that, um, uh, Andrew Malloy sent me uh, out of H.A. Uh, Ironside the difference between our Lord himself makes a distinction between keeping his commandments and keeping his word. Yeah. Remember? I think that's what this means, keeping his word. And I think that's what write-out means. It isn't keeping his commandments. 
It's keeping his word. And if you remember how that went, that the little girl mother asked her to do something and she complied because the mother asked or actually told her, I want you to do, and then you can go play after school. And so fast forward now and the mother's in a situation where she has guests coming and she hasn't got time to clean the house and clean the kitchen and do the dishes and prepare the meal. And the little girl overhears her uh, talking to the neighbor about the fact that she just doesn't have time. And she goes to the mom and says, well, mom, I'll help you. I can do the dusting. I can do this and I can do that. That's obedience to the word. See, I'm aware of uh, there's a need and I'm in to help. That's much different than someone saying, I'd like you to do, you know, or, you know, you hear about somebody needs some help and you go and help them. You're complying. And I think that's what Rideout, uh, when he says, how do you become obedient to word? He says, there's nothing more deadening than to be engaged with truth without its acting upon the conscience. What I find interesting in contemporary Christianity is that there are groups of people that when the law is laid on them, it really attacks their conscience and they pick up the ball and they're going to obey. Right? And they're worker bees. Problem is, is that as we're learning in Romans chapter 1, they can't pull it off. They can't pull it off. You know, I can always criticize you, but I gotta look at myself. How do you, how does a person live under grace, obeying God's words? How does he do that? It isn't that tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, Don and I years and years ago were in a Bible study with a guy who turned out to be a pretty phony. But he was asked in the Bible study, you know, how do you, how do you make your marriage work? You know what his answer was? She tells me what to do and I do it. Well, how does Christianity work? Well, the Lord tells me what to do and I do it. No. The Lord shows me the grace that I live under and he's indwelt me by the Holy Spirit and given me the life that desires to do it. And like Philippians, to both to will and to do, our new resurrected life wants to be pleasing to God. So uh, would you say it almost requires a relationship? With it totally requires a relationship, not only with God's word, but with the person of Christ. Because you you don't, you know, it's like, it's like these people that work really hard all their life to make a lot of money. You know the problem with with those pictures of presidents, they're not warm and fuzzy. They don't talk back to you. They don't tell you. You can't hug them. But you also know that that's what they love. <laughs> that's what they love. Uh, so uh, if I have a relationship 
uh, was a person that I really love. It's the person that's got me. It isn't what they tell me to do. You know, I can't wait to be as pleasing as I can most of the time. You know, so it, you, I think you're right, Donna. I think it presupposes a, a, a degree of intimacy with the Lord Jesus in order to, uh, as the question says, become obedient to his word. You know, uh, and so when he, can the Lord Jesus just suggest something in his word to us and we would say, oh yeah, that's cool, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever's pleasing. I just noticed we're over time. Better quit. So we got, uh, intuitive ways. So uh, we're getting close to the end. Probably another couple lessons and that will be done. So I want all of you to be thinking about what you'd like to do next. Preferably uh, a book of the Bible. I've got some ideas, but I'd like to get your ideas before I suggest mine. So let's close. Our dear Father, how we love you today. How we thank, are so thankful that your spirit is about the business of revealing through your word the person of the Lord Jesus, that we could just walk with him and serve him and serve the body of Christ, uh, our our beloved brother in, in him, recognizing that you died for every one of us, even the ones that uh, we know that are not believers. You died for them too, so... We thank you, Father, and how we pray in your Son's name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Mike. That was really good. Yeah, it was. I feel like that conversation could go on quite a bit longer if we had time. Recording stopped. He said the conversation could go on longer. Yeah.